Good morning, everybody. This doesn't work any better in my Sunday school class. Good morning, folks. Good to see you this morning. Great to see you. Wow, there's a real buzz in the house today. What's going on? I'm pretty sure I know. I think it's the power of God and the work of His Spirit is stirring our hearts today. And I know He's going to touch your life in special ways. We welcome you today. We're glad that you're here this morning. And, and we're especially glad for... I think there's some guests here this morning. We're not going to ask you to stand. We don't do that. But we do ask you to fill out that green card in front of you and put it in the offering because we would love to be able to mail you a letter this week expressing our appreciation for you being in church today. We're glad that you're here this morning. We really are just thrilled about it. I want to read something to you that I wrote, uh, I think, a couple of years ago concerning Mother's Day. And um, <clears throat> let me read it to you uh, this way. It says, this Sunday has been designated as Mother's Day. And I thought a brief comment from Judges chapter 5 and verse 7 just tucked in there among all the other passages of scripture, it referred to Deborah. Deborah was one of the leaders, one of the judges of Israel at that time, and it refers to Deborah as a mother in Israel. Now that's a, that's a term that I used to hear a little bit more often. I hardly ever hear it today. But Deborah was a mother of, in Israel. And we don't use that term but I think it's a good one. Deborah came to leadership during a time of moral decline, widespread sin, and she was God's chosen leader. She was a defender of the cause of God, and she was an inspiration and helped turn an entire nation around. I'm thankful today for godly women who are often on the forefront of God's work. They challenge us, they encourage us, and they do so in God's journey of our lives. They are people of uncommon patience and set an example often in faithfulness. This church, the church, and this one too, will always need a modern-day mother in Israel. In a day of spiritual decline, you are the ones that often lift us up and motivate us. And so on this Mother's Day weekend, we salute you. God bless you. Would you stand? I want to pray for you. Our Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come into the house of God this morning. And Father, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus <clears throat> that you are going to be touching people's lives in extraordinary kinds of ways. Father, we thank you that... that uh, that you love us. We thank you that you have given us your word that we can lift up and open up and cause that word to flow into our lives and into our hearts and create new faith and new encouragement and strength. Father, I pray earnestly in the name of Jesus today for any person that has walked into this church service who has come in here with a particular burden upon their life or a heaviness in their heart, Father, I pray that you are going to lift that burden. You're going to cause the heaviness and the darkness of those clouds to, to be dissipated. And Father, I pray, may the light of your word, the light and power of your Holy Spirit 
simply set upon their lives. Father, open up our hearts today. We want to receive you and all that you have for us this morning. Help us to be aware of that. Help us to know that you're present. And I pray this today, all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Well, once again, we want to uh, welcome every one of you. So glad to see you this morning. It's a great, uh, great uh, encouragement and full house today. And, and uh, glad that every one of you are with us to worship. We want you to know that right after church today, we've got some cake and some coffee and all kinds of things back there. I hope you'll take a moment. Just, just kind of hang in here with us a little bit and, and have, a, have a piece of cake. We'd like to get to know you. We'd love to be able to shake your hand and, and introduce ourselves to you. And we're glad again that you're here today in church and uh, thankful for you. I've been to the Black Hills of South Dakota on several occasions. And of course, it's uh, not necessarily impossible, but normally people, when they go to the Black Hills, one of the things they want to see are those colossal, giant, granite images of President George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. These, these giant images dominate a landscape in that particular area. The sculpting of Mount Rushmore began in 1927 and it finished up Really, it kind of finished up over a period of years, from about 1934 to 1937. And it was the uh, inspiration of a man named Gutzon Borglum. And with a name like that, my guess is he came from Germany. And uh, he was assisted with his son, Lincoln, and also along with 400 other workers on this massive project. They used chisels and dynamite, and they transformed this mountaintop of granite into something that literally is larger than life. I've seen it in the daytime, I've seen it at night. When it's lit up, it's spectacular. It's wonderful. This leads me into my message this morning because parents today are a lot like those chisels in the hands of God who shaped the children into the likeness of Jesus Christ. The Bible is filled with so many expectations of parents. Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, speaking of Abraham, and God had just announced to Abraham, and he says, you are going to be the father of a great nation, and your ancestors are going to be as the sand of the sea, the stars of the sky. And he says this, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, beginning in verse 4, he tells parents to teach their children the way of God. He says, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, what God is saying here, he's saying, I want, I want to be exclusive in your life. I want to be that one person that's literally exclusive in your life and all that you do, everything that you are, I want to be God. 
And I want to be able to dominate your life. At every, every, every moment, every segment of your particular life, I want to be the dominant one in your life. In other words, we're speaking about intentional discipleship. I'm going to say that word a few times throughout this message, I know that. But it's intentional discipleship. In other words, deliberately pouring into our families, into our children, uh, the truth about God. I do not believe there's anything more important. <clears throat> and I'm going to share with you these reasons here coming up. First of all, God commands it. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, the Bible says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, there's a variety of other Bible passages you could easily fold into this particular passage right here that tells us about God's plan for children. And it's always been that parents would be the primary discipleship entity of their life. Mom, Dad, you are the ones that God is using to disciple your kids. And this is important. This is critically important. The love of all things... I'm sorry. I love all of the things, I should say. I love all the things that we're doing here for kids and teens in this church because they are very helpful. And they're beneficial to our sons and daughters and to our parents. We want to be able to come alongside families. We want to be able to come alongside parents and be a blessing. But we are not the primary disciplers of your children. We can help you. We can assist you. We can provide resources to you. We can do a lot of things for you. But at the end of the day, when we draw the line and add it all up, you are still the primary disciple person for your, for your family. It can never play, take the place of godly parents. If a child spends four hours per week in a church, that still pales in comparison. In other words, if you're spending four hours a week in church, that means you're here for Sunday school, for church, for midweek, and all of these things. It pales in comparison to the fact of the, uh, of the time they spend with their parents and the time they spend in school. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1 through 3 talks about those who delight in the law of the Lord and they meditate on it. And, and God says, if you do that, you're going to be blessed. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, I'm going to bring strength into your life as you meditate on the Lord, as you, as you apply it into your lives. In order for your children to know the scripture, follow its teachings, they need the instruction. I, ho I hope you would agree with me today that, that, you're going to, that you want to step up. The help that your, children, that your children can receive in the purpose of God in their life and, and the desire to, <clears throat> to glorify God. Whether, whatever you are teaching them, then live it out in front of them. You know, the old saying, it's more caught than taught, is really true. You can teach them a lot of things. You can talk to them about all manner of things, but their observation of your life and the life of your family around them is still going to be a powerful, powerful teacher. And uh, they're, going to, they're going to watch that. They're going to observe that. I noticed one thing here. 
And I, I kind of smile about it because oftentimes I'll lift my hands as we sing and worship and things like this. Well, there's somebody else that caught that. And that's that little guy right on the front row. When we're out there singing, he's got a hand up. Good kid, good kid. <laughs> he's, he's going for it. We'll get him, we're, we're moving him along real well. Be a model. Be a model for your kids to follow. Be a model. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who was a preacher in the 19th century, and obviously a long time ago, but very important person, a person of influence, said this, let no Christian parents fall into the delusion that Sunday school is intended to ease them of their personal responsibilities. And then he goes on. He says, the first and most natural condition of things is for Christian parents to train up their own children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And I would add an amen. That is so very true. Number two, if you don't disciple your children, listen to me, saints, if you don't disciple your children, the world will. And you can't get around that any other way. Listen very carefully to me. Each day your children is exposed. They are exposed to messages about our culture, on how they should look, how they should act, how they should think, and many other areas that are important in the, in the growth of, <coughs> of our young people's lives. As they grow older, this exposure increases. And that's exactly why it's critically important for us to be very intentional in our discipleship. In other words, to help our children learn how to walk with God in an immoral world. We teach them that. This isn't something that comes to them naturally. It is not something they are <clears throat> born with. It is something that they are taught. They learn this from mom and dad. They learn this from their parents. They learn this from mature adults who love God. And so this becomes critical. Two of the great influencers in our culture, and we could probably spend the rest of the message on this, but just this, today are television and the internet. Recent studies have shown that television viewing among kids is at an eight-year high. And we're speaking on an average now, I'm sure there's more and there's less, but an average of two to five hours per day in front of the television. This will decrease as they get older, but it transitions to the internet, which means that you are a click away from virtually anything that you want to see, want to observe, or want to look at with the click of a mouse. When you become a follower of Christ, God's word says you are transformed into a new creation. This means the gospel affects literally all that you are, including how you are as a parent. Listen to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is and what is good and acceptable and perfect. You have to actively resist the pressure of the world. If you're not doing that, I, I, I've got some bad news. The world will pressure you into all kinds of things. Do this, do that, think this way, <clears throat> and all of these things that come along. 
This is something that we take an active role in. Saints, our lives are changed as our minds are changed. And as our minds are changed, our hearts become changed at the same time. Let me add an important PS on this point, at this point. Please don't allow the culture to dictate to you how you should raise your kids and your grandkids. Do not allow the culture to dictate this. I know many complain about God being removed from the school and we could talk about that in a long time and all kinds of things there. I'm more concerned about God not in our homes. Let God be in our homes. Let God be, let God be the Lord of our households. Let God be the one that we talk about. Let's look again at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and think about God when we rise up in the morning, when we walk by the way, when we do this, we do this, we do this, when we lie down at night. That God is the one who is dominant and prominent and he becomes exclusive in our homes. Number three, your soul needs instruction. Maybe this is a good moment to also examine that we need to reach out in God, to God in all areas of our lives rather than to just reach to other things that can quickly become ob objects of worship. These things can be our career, they can be our possessions, they can be sports, they can be children's popularity, they could be accomplishments, all of these things. But you are not made and redeemed to worship things. We are made and redeemed to worship only God and Him alone. And as you intentionally instruct your children in the ways of Christ, your own soul is going to be refreshed by the truths of God's Word. This comes to you. As you teach, you also learn. My Bible study this morning in, in our adult class, for instance, I spent between probably six and seven hours preparing that study, and honestly, I learned many things during that time. I went over things that I thought I understood, knew, and then began to glean new things. Things came to a greater light in some areas. And so I grew in my faith and my understanding of God's word, and you will too. And you are the teachers of how to worship God. As you grow, they will grow, and this is what your soul needs too. And finally, the fourth thing. True followers of Christ need to fill our churches and need to fill the world. The people who live around you need to see that you are a person that worships God. When Sunday comes, they know what you're doing. They know that your car is going to back out of the driveway at a certain time. You're heading off to Sunday school. You're heading off to church. They may be barbecuing. It doesn't matter. This is where you're going. That becomes a testimony. It's a very powerful thing. It's powerful when people drive by on N65 and they look at a parking lot that's full of cars and everything at a church out in the middle of a cornfield. And they, you know, obviously they say, well, I wonder what's going on in that place. But it also becomes a testimony that there are people who love God and they take a beautiful Sunday rather than sitting by, I don't know what you'd sit by. I've never sat by anything on a Sunday, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, for about 45 years or so. So I don't know what you sit by on a Sunday. 
But anyway, whatever that would be, <laughs> we're here in church. We're here in the house of the Lord. And it's a good thing. Show your children how to worship. Show them. Show them how to give an offering. When your little boy peeks over and you see daddy pulling out a buck, uh, cheapskate daddy pulling out a buck to put it, sorry. <laughs> He's going to say, my daddy's a real tightwad, isn't he? And uh, now, come on, show them how to give an offering. Show them how to love God. Show them, show them how to worship. Show them how to have joy. Joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of being here is my strength. The joy of the family of God is my strength. The joy of, of being a part of what God is doing, that's my strength. Show them that. Demonstrate that. Rearing your children is the, with the goal of, uh, of, of doing so for the glory of God is not common. When your children's friends come over, they need to see that your family's different. There's something different about this house. People talk differently in this house. People act differently in this house. And that's because it's a house where God is present, and that's the place where God's people are, are gathering, and they, they, they become a part of this thing, and they observe this, and they notice this. They need to see that you love Christ more than your kids' popularity. They need to see that your kids love Jesus maybe more than some of the, all the activities that you can line up at school and all these other things. Maybe that stepped on some toes, but listen again to Psalm 127 and verse 3. The fruit of the womb is a reward. They are like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. What's being said here? It's an imagery that we get. It's a very important imagery here because God is saying, <clears throat> your children are like arrows and you aim those arrows. You don't, you don't take a handful of arrows outside and step outside the door and just pull the string and let them go and think, wow, that's going to be meaningful. means nothing. You aim those arrows. You target those arrows. And one of the targets is, is that these arrows become arrows of light that push back the darkness. You shoot the lights out of the forces of darkness and push it back and and allow God to be God in our lives and in our kids' lives. We need to take careful aim. No matter how busy you are, make the spiritual discipline of your children the very top priority of your lives and in their life. You only get one chance. And that sometimes may mean giving up something in order to make sure God is central in their life. Today there's a graduation in Manson. Next week there'll be graduations in Pocahontas and in Humboldt. I'm telling you, <clears throat> those arrows have now grown up. They're probably 18 years old by now. And in three months from now they're going to, several of them mentioned that they're going to college, things like that. This is a big turning point in their life. I know you can still teach them things, but it's much more difficult. You teach them when they're little like that, when they're on your knee. And when they're in kindergarten and they're 
growing up and going to VBS stuff and all of those things. That's, you teach them then. You're going to realize in about three months you're going to walk past a room and there's nobody in that room because they're in a residence hall somewhere or whatever, in a college. They're at work. They've taken a job somewhere. Your influence, your influence is still there, but it's, there's some decline in it. I pray that God has helped you to aim that arrow carefully. Because when they walk across that platform with that diploma in hand, that means you let it fly right there. And this whole new stage of their life begins. And then they're going to come home. <clears throat> Say they went to college. They're going to come home at Christmas. And you know what? You're going to notice a difference. They're a whole lot more independent than they used to be. It's a big change. And then one day they're going to come home and they're going to say, do you mind if I bring Johnny or Susie with me? And you as a dad, your daughter needs to hear the click. Sure, Johnny can come home. Is he listening? <laughs> I got that call one night. I couldn't get back to sleep for the rest of the night. <laughs> this is the road that God has us traveling on. It's a good road. Don't worry about it. Because God gives you wisdom. And you know, if you aim those arrows right, they've got wisdom too. They're smart. And they're godly. And they love God. Because you planted something inside them when they were just this size. You begin to plant those seeds. And now they're growing. And now they're developing. And you still get to guide a little bit. Just a little bit. And all of these things. Folks, you don't have to be a spiritual expert to train your children. Just open your Bible. Open your Bible and start to read it with your kids. And if they've got questions, and I guarantee you they will have questions, then tell them, the Bible's got the answer somewhere, so let's go look for it. All you need is a decent study Bible and maybe a concordance or something like that. Go on a hunt. Look for the answers. It'll show up. And you'll help them to find answers for their lives. Because you won't always be able to sit beside them. They'll need to do that on their own. And that'll be a good thing because they'll be prepared. Parents, be intentional. In times of family devotions and prayer, I know the core needs to be planted. I understand that. But sometimes something else is just as important, more important needs to be planted in the lives and the hearts of your children. 
of your kids. Take the time. It's not going to shipwreck anything, and it's going to do you a lot of good too, knowing that you've done some good in your kids' lives. So I challenge you to strive for holiness and godliness in your family, intentional discipling of our children. We have no idea of the incredible results that's going to happen in our lives and in the lives of our, ki- uh, of our children. We have no idea. But we do our job. Amen? I wanted to use this Mother's Day not so much to speak toward mothers, but to speak to our families. And I hope that we've been able to accomplish a little bit of that today as we speak to families in this congregation, in this fellowship right here. I want to pray for people this morning. I want to pray for people that... Janet, um, I'm looking for Janet now, our long-lost snowbird. has found her way back to Iowa. God bless you. When the temp hits 100 in Phoenix, they come home. So I'm praying that that'll happen about the end of January. (laughs) But um, I want to pray for families today. And I want to pray specifically for needs in families. I want to pray, first of all, for families that... trying to put this in the right way. You've got a son or a daughter that's somewhat of a prodigal. That's not an easy thing. Some of these prodigals were raised in church, but for whatever reason, they are in a far world. Let's pray them back in, shall we? Let's pray them back home. You can't convince me that that dad in the parable wasn't a praying dad. I believe he was. And he was a dad that kept looking down that road, praying and hoping to see that son of his. No matter what had went on in his life, dad welcomed him home. And there was forgiveness. And there was rejoicing because he came home. I have a feeling there are prodigals in our church, moms and dads that are praying earnestly for that son or that daughter to come home. And I'm not always talking about some high school kid. I'm talking about sometimes they're older and they just wander off in a pathway. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come up and join me right here all across this congregation, this platform because we're going to pray for you. I want to pray for... I want to pray for families that... Actually, let me step back. I want to pray for single-parent moms. And I'd like to pray for single-parent dads. And I'm not sure if we have the latter in here. We might. I'm just trying to think offhand. But I want to pray for single-parent moms. You've got a huge job. Let God be a partner with you in this. And let other people be a partner with you in this. But I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for single-parent moms. We're not trying to single you out to embarrass you or anything like that. We just want to pray for you. Ask God to give you 
an extraordinary strength and blessing. I'd like to have parents pray with their sons and daughters that you're graduating, maybe today. Some of you will graduate today, others next week. Some have already graduated. I'd like you to just get in a little prayer circle right where you're at and pray for one another. That God will just continue to give you a great strengthening. Let's do that right now. Would you stand with me, please? And those people that I've kind of talked about, would you just begin to join me up here along the front end of this? Uh, just, just step out and come on up. And um, we're going we're gonna to just lift you up in prayer. You've got a son and you've got a daughter that uh, needs to find the way back home again. Just come on up right now. Single moms, come and meet me right here kind of in the center of this whole deal. Dads, there's a single parent dad. Want to pray. Want to pray. Pastor Ross and Earl, would you kind of gather around these, these folks and kind of join us in prayer? Maybe if you've got an elder or two around here close, if you could jump in here with us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that we can bring all things to you. We can bring them to you in the name of the Lord. And Father, I pray especially this morning for those prodigals, those prodigals that wandered off into some kind of whatever, but they need to come back. They need to, they need to be strengthened in the Lord. They need, to, they need to ask for forgiveness. They need the help of God in their life. Father, I pray for them in the mighty name of Jesus. May they come to their senses and realize that serving God is far better than their walk in the world. Father, I pray for some moms today and a dad too here at this altar. I pray for these single parents that, Father, that you would give them supernatural strength and wisdom, give them hope, give them encouragement, Fill them with the knowledge of God for their life. Father, I pray that you'll keep them strong in their own personal walk of faith. Keep them godly. Keep them, uh, keep them walking in righteousness. Father, I pray for the children that's part of, this, part of those uh, homes. I pray that they will look up to their mom as, a, as truly as a mother in Israel also. One who's given hope. One who has given new strength and patience and all of these things. Father, we just ask this in the name of Jesus. We want our families to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Father, implant within their hearts and their lives your word. Put it deep within their hearts so that they know and they love God. And whenever the winds of storm, whenever the stormy winds blow, whatever is happening, I pray that they will lean upon this word and the faith of God that was planted in their souls. Father, let them be blessed of God today in a special way. In the name of Jesus Christ the Lord, amen. Amen. With the rest of you, just lift your hands for the blessing of God. Father, may the Lord bless and keep your people. May you cause your face to shine into people's lives and then through their lives. Father, I pray that you'll give us a walk of righteousness, a walk of peace, 
Father, fill our homes with the presence of God. Father, I pray let, let serving God be a reality that's not just there on Sunday, but there every day of the week, 24-7. Father, we honor you with our lives. We honor you with our love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.